Northern Brewer is the proud sponsor of the Brewing Network's Jameel Show. They have the widest selection of domestic and imported malts and grain, hops from all over the world, and a full line of liquid and dry yeast. No matter what style of beer you're brewing, Northern Brewer has the ingredients you need, plus fast shipping and expert staff to help you make the best beer possible. Please visit northernbrewer.com for all things homebrew. All homebrewers have a favorite commercial beer, but not everyone can make it. Welcome to the show that teaches you how, where you can challenge two masters, Jamil Zainashev and Tasty McDole. This is the Jamil Show. Can you brew it? Now here's Jamil. Hey, howdy. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Hey, homebrewers. What's up tonight? <laughs> Anybody out there listening? Anybody in the chat? Anybody know about this thing? What's the chat? I don't even know what that is. Uh, whatever. Yeah, if, you, if you're listening live, which you can do, you go to thebrewingnetwork.com. And uh, on that front page there, there's a listen live button. You can get in there and you can actually listen to the show as we do it. There's actually a video sometimes on uh, justin.tv. It's up right now. Slash uh, yeah. Brewing Network. You see and, us. And uh, you, can, you can see us doing the show. You watch us drink this 8% beer. I don't know where the, who, who makes this stuff, but it's right. pretty damn good. Right. And then uh, it's gonna get you good can in also, here. Uh, when, when you are listening to the show, you can go to the uh, chat room. You can chat live with uh, other people that are listening to the show. You go in. There's no password needed. You can just type whatever name you want. Don't need pants. Jump in there. You don't need pants. And uh, it's moderated by, you do. <laughs> hey, uh, in this case, uh, JP is uh, watching the chat and uh, working the boards and uh, et cetera, et cetera, and waving his hand, uh, saying, sort of, sort of, no, he's he's enjoying himself. Um, yeah, so uh, how you been, Tasty? Uh, I've been good, you know, doing the uh, my little home brewing thing now and then. Uh, You've been brewing? Occasionally, yeah. Oh, wow. Experimenting, I'm doing a lot of experimenting, trying to do lots of... On uh, what? Well, I'm trying to make a lighter version of a pale ale. Yeah. Like a traditional, I call it an heirloom pale. It's like pretty light, like 4.5%, probably like 32 IBUs, yeah. maybe 30, like yeah. more balanced for a night for a pale. Like Mission Street? Or yeah, maybe like Mission, pale yeah, maybe so. Yeah, it's got a lot of, yeah, I think it's got some of that in it. Uh, I'm making a pale 31, that's, that's pretty hard to do. That's like uh, 4.8, right? Yeah. Mine's four, four five. Yeah, I'm trying to make a four five. Oh, you're trying to do them one better or three <laughs> Is less. That better, I don't know. Three less. I don't. <laughs> anyway, that's what I'm working on. Some more mouth balance. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I'm working for big mouthfeel. I'm trying to just maximize the mouthfeel in the beer, uh, and then at the same time have it like balanced for its hops and stuff. You can put a big bag of gelatin in there. <laughs> gelatin. Or... You set it up in their fridge, it becomes jello. Yeah. Some breweries are like leaving all the yeast in suspension. Is that a good idea? I don't know. What, what are they thinking uh, with that? The yeast can be harsh. Harsh. Yeah, it holds harsh, the hops, harsh. right? Yeah. Too much be, of harsh. It be quite bitter, yeah. depending on the on the bittering. Those guys the are thinking. Yeast. But yeah, the beer has to be clear. Yeah, I suppose well, until the yeast drops out, you're going to get more mouthfeel that way, but yeah, it seems that's like an fair. odd way to do it. Yeah, yeah. I'm putting, yeah, I'm well, using like uh, like 9% crystal 15 in the beer. I'm trying to like load it up with this like Mm-hmm. Bodybuilding stuff. This is old school. It's like 1995 all over again. Exactly. This is great. And I'm trying to like attenuate it down where it's still not sweet, like not candy like. Well, and speaking of uh, you know low alcohol pails, um, 
Uh, we have uh, Roger Davis here from Triple Rock, and you, Roger, you had a a, a great uh, light session uh, hoppy beer on when when I was there uh, know, a month ago or so. Yeah, I think that uh, you know that seems to be the new trend of uh, commercial brewers. At least it should be. So this eight percent stuff we're drinking right now, because mm-hmm. <laughs> you know you can drink two or three of them and still remember your name, as opposed to falling off your bar stool and wondering where you're at. Well. But, the purpose of this show is to get get hammered and <laughs> oh, sweet. not remember right not remember how how badly we did in the morning. Yeah, but the reality <laughs> is, if out there, uh, I'm, I'm out there a little bit going out for a beer. Is you want to spend a, you know a couple hours here, right? Because you know there's right. things happening. You know, it takes the girls get a while to get drunk. <laughs> you, you, you don't want to be drunker than they are at the end because right. that doesn't work. I'm telling you. And uh, <laughs> so you go. In, you want to be able to go the distance, so to speak. Right. Yeah, I mean. The distance, <laughs> so to speak. Yes. Tasty yeah, yeah. stiff session beer. Yes, yeah. <laughs> four and a half stiffy. I'm going to call it <laughs> four and a half stiffy. stiffy. <laughs> Only also have the great uh, Nathan Smith and uh, hey, the wonderful uh, Chris Kennedy in the studio with us. Yeah. Um, We're drinking your beer, Chris. Got the whole heretic crew here. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Hey, don't apologize, buddy. It's great. It's great stuff. Hey, eight percent does it's the job. Too good. It's good. Too good. Actually, show's going to go downhill. I'm afraid. <laughs> We just started. Well, <laughs> uphill. The uphill, thing is, on. you know, I think we? if you're going to do eight percent, you want it to be dry, you know, not heavy and syrupy. That's is, that's when it becomes. What this beer drink. finish at? This uh, is bone dry. What this beer finish at? One point five. That's six oh. specific gravity. Wow, yeah. that's dry. Getting like Belgian attenuation on this is real nice and refreshing. That way, how did cool. you get it so low? We put yeast in it. <laughs> oh wait. Yeast? What? Yeah. I think that's what you yeah. said you did, right? Well, see, first, you, you have a mash tun, <laughs> and you add the water, <laughs> hot water with the grain. <laughs> so you, you mashed it mashed like 165? Uh, <laughs> we mashed yes. at 141 and waited four hours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you know, it's an 8, 8, 8% beer, but it starts at 16p. So what is that? Oh, right? um, now, wait, don't worry. Wait, mm-hmm. 56? 10, 56? 64? Mm-hmm. Well, not 54. even 16p. Know, it like was 15.8. Something like yeah, fifteen I think, eight, I think fifteen like one 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 four one five. It's uh, I think it's a uh, five seven percent sugar. Yeah, he's two hundred two hundred pounds of dextrose in uh, mm-hmm. in thirty barrels. You like to add that at the end of the boil, or you? Throw no, it in the I um usually we have a whirlpool going just from adding our uh, wort because I go in through the whirlpool arm, and so I just add it then. So nice. I could so I know exactly where my gravity is going to be at without having to. Think about what the sugar is. Just a little bit more or less this, sugar. Yeah, and at, the, at this level of uh, sugar, I'm not real worried about any sort of uh, problems with uh, getting fermentation the, or not fermentation or, or yeah. even you know sometimes you can have an issue with uh, hop utilization. But mm-hmm. at Good. this level, I don't. That's yeah. not a problem. Well, well, it's it's, a, it's at it the out. end of boil, right? No, it's at the beginning of the boil. It's before oh, it's in the, the boil starts. Yeah, yeah. So oh, I you said the whirlpool. It, it's whirlpooling so whirlpool. as I'm well, we, as I'm louderingly. Uh, Oh, okay. as, as, the as the I'm pumping the, yeah. so you're just oh, like as I'm pumping the word in during the water, oh, it's already whirlpooling. So I, I go see. ahead and take that opportunity to do it. Gotcha. Got it. Yeah. So <laughs> back to the original. <laughs> we can, yeah. The, the uh, original naked girl just walked through the room. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, and speaking of naked girls, uh, Nathan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Is it the long hair? Is it? No. Oh. No. She's not here, sorry. Yeah, yeah, there you go. She couldn't make it today. She actually just called me, though. Maybe that's why you thought Naked Girl is now tasty. Nice, yeah. nice. Um, um, no, um, uh, the, the, one of the, so we've been doing a lot of shows about um, 
you know, cloning the professional brewer's beer. Uh, we've, we've done a number of them. And one of the things, uh, it was actually, Chris, you came up with this. We were at GABF, and we are talking about the show and, and certain things that, you know, shows that we could do and, and, you know, what was interesting. And Chris, you came up with the idea of, well, you know, one question is, how is it for the pro brewer to try and clone essentially the the home brewer's beer? You know, so the reverse of the show that we've been doing. It's like uh, Nathan, you've got this this great beer called Dankness, yep. and uh, Roger, you brewed that at Triple Rock. So I think it's really instructive and interesting to find out, uh, you know, how that came to pass. What kind of adjustments you might have made to to brew this on the commercial scale, and and learning you know how that happens is really going to kind of uh, you know help us understand you know the difference between a commercial recipe and a homebrew recipe and the things that change. That's one of the things that we're constantly struggling with on this show is you know how do we tweak those recipes that we get to you know brew something that would be identical. So, yeah, make that adjustment. Uh, you know, I thought it was a great uh, idea from Chris. Uh, Justin loved it too. And we're like, yeah, we got to do this. And and the first people we thought of was uh, Nate and Roger. So, let's do this. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll dive into dankness uh, at Triple Rock. Back after this. In a world where everything has been lost, what happened to the city? It's in ruins. Only one man has the ancient knowledge to restore civilization. Uh, I need a drink. Oh, no, the liquor store's been ransacked. You looking for beer, stranger? (laughs) Boy, all the liquor got drunk up in the first 25 minutes of the apocalypse. Wait, there's still some bottles over... Oh, no. Those are non-alcoholic beer. (laughs) I reckon you better stick to arrowroot tea and a desperate nomadic existence like the rest of us. People, I'm a home brewer. I know how to make alcohol. (gasps) Oh, Oh, it can't be done. Come with me if you want the beer. Okay, I'm going to need some big plastic buckets. He is the chosen one. The prophecies say that he's going to get us wasted. Someone start heating water. And then- From the creators of Northern Brewer, the people who brought you $7.99 Brew Saver Shipping, massive selection, and superior customer service comes... love craft beer, you're already a heretic. The very first thing we did when we started looking at the beers that we would brew, we got rid of all those recipes. We started from scratch. We've been pilot brewing the most creative things that we think of and the most interesting things. We've completely gone away from style. Heretic Brewing Company is opening this spring in Pittsburgh, California, and you can be a part of it. 
Visit hereticbrewing.com and facebook.com slash hereticbrew. Get the latest updates on the brewery and upcoming beers. Show everyone how you celebrate great beer as a heretic. It's a fairly powerful word. Being a heretic, that means you're not settling for ordinary beer. You are going with flavorful, creative, bold, interesting beers. A heretic is looking for the best beers out there. Be a heretic. Don't drink ordinary beer. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it, too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for any beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone certification program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones no beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious, Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. When Blickman Engineering set out to design a great brewing stand, they knew it had to be strong, adaptable, and last for a lifetime. The top-tier brewing stand is now proudly available at BlickmanEngineering.com. It grows with your brewing skills and equipment. Start with 5-gallon coolers on its heavy-gauge stainless steel shelves. Then move all the way up to 30-gallon pots on the high-output burner tiers. Speaking of burners, the custom Blickman Engineering top-tier burners are extremely powerful, efficient, and amazingly quiet. They have safety stops to center your pot and they'll last a lifetime and won't rust. The top-tier brewing stand allows virtually infinite combinations from traditional gravity systems to two tiers to completely horizontal. Configure your stand the way you want and have the freedom to change it at any time in the future. Your brewing stand should adapt with you, not force you to learn a new process. Visit BlickmanEngineering.com today to configure your top-tier brewing stand and to find a local Blickman retailer. You'll be surprised with all the flexible features and the competitive price. Start brewing with Blickman from the top tier. Now back to Can You Brew It? All right, we're back. We're talking about uh, kind of the reverse Can You Brew It, which is uh, how does the... Sounds kinky. (laughs) It's kind of like the reverse cow home brewer. Something or other. So... Uh, you know, how does the uh, the pro brewer, you know, replicate a beer from the home brewer, which is, you know, what what is commonly now called, like, the pro-am. So, uh, Nathan, you have this beer called Dankness, Dankness right? Yeah. And this is a, a really intensely hoppy uh, IPA it's that's big... got some dank character to it. It's got, uh, like, 30 different kinds of hops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a new school American IPA, and... One that was kind of fun to bring back to Roger because it was originally inspired by some of the things that I'd learned from hanging out and drinking beers with Roger and pilfering his recipe book and mm-hmm. watching their process <laughs> at Triple Rock and all that kind of stuff. I'd had these IPAs that kind of had a huge list of malts and lots of different new and old school hops kind of mixed together. Well, I thought, let's simplify that and pare it back a little bit and mm-hmm. do a fairly simple grain bill 
and really focus on some new, interesting American hop varieties that I had encountered. Apollo in particular was one I'd never heard of before until I've had some Triple Rock beers with Apollo, and I'd encountered some at a few years prior at another event that Roger had done. The He did a uh, single hop series where a bunch of different breweries brewed the same beer with a single hop variety, and Summit was one of the first ones that he had done along those lines, and really liked that hop a lot, mm-hmm. and I uh, thought Citra was a nice way to round that out, so that was the original idea for the recipe, is to kind of do a fairly simple malt bill, fairly dry beer, mm-hmm. focused on the complexity of, of those hop varieties. So I'd been experimenting with that, had a lot of fun brewing it on the homebrew scale, You know, did well in competition when I had entered it, and then when time came around, Roger was crazy enough to do his paperwork for the GABF, he pinged me again and said, well, you want to do a Pro-Am beer? And I thought this one would have been perfect because mm-hmm. it was something that did well in Triple Rock to begin with, those styles of beers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite homebrew recipes that I'd done over the last year. So it was a perfect match to bring that back to, to Triple Rock and, and try it again. Now, what what competitions did you enter the, the beer in? That was This one, uh, it did especially well when I had a, a really nice fresh batch of it. I think the second batch I'd ever done. It was the, the first... Um, the inaugural Napa Homebrew Challenge, the first uh, competition that those guys had done up there. Mike Riddle's mm-hmm. uh, new competition had done really well there. Um, I believe it did well, did well at the Upper Mississippi Mash Out, too, but I could be wrong. There's at least one other homebrew comp that I had entered, entered that one and had uh, done really well. Sadly, it didn't go to the the national homebrew competition. I kind of wished that it would have. would have been fun to send something like that there. But you know, regardless, it had done well enough to meet the criteria for the... For the um, Pro-Am competition Pro-Am. for the GABF, right. and I thought it was something that was ideal for what Triple Rock could do really well, and something that I really wanted to showcase those new American hops, and, and not necessarily rely on the old school Cascade and, mm-hmm. and Centennial, and and um, you know some of the the hops that we've come to know and love in American IPAs, but really focus on hops like Apollo that has just mm-hmm. this huge dank, you know, fresh bag of weed kind of thing going on, and. <laughs> But a real kind of an interesting spicy component to it as well. Right. And Summit, which is almost like a CTZ on steroids, or it has just that that mm-hmm. huge. Well, uh, and how how do you you know you say old school and new school hops differentiate those? I mean, you you started talking about the new school hops, but differentiate those compass, compare and contrast the the old what you mean by old school and new school and and the flavor and components and all that. Hops like Apollo and Summit and Citra that have just kind of surfaced on the scene in the last four to five years it typically uh-huh. tend to be super high alpha or really high alpha like Apollo and Summit, which also or, tends to mean high oil as well, exactly. high oil content, yeah. and that's critical to the to the beer. I'm glad you mentioned that because mm-hmm. I think you can get you know pound per pound more oil in more hop oil in the beer at the end of the day and, and really get more of that aromatic impact that you want from a new uh, new school style American IPA mm-hmm. where the malt is there, but it's kind of standing in the background and a little bit out of the way. And the the other thing about this beer, when you're working with hops that big, is if you kind of want a small uh, bitterness or a bittering charge. So there's hit, uh, targeting about 20 IBUs at 85 minutes, or between 60 and 85 minutes, and then there's another 20 IBUs at 30 minutes, and then the, the rest is all coming from... Uh, late hop additions so probably on paper it's only about 40 or 50 ibus mm-hmm. and you don't have to use a lot of those really high alpha hops to get those ibu levels so you have lower vegetal content and higher oil content going in 
into the beer from the hops that you're choosing to add by using these higher alpha hops. Mm-hmm. So the, the combination of the two, I think, um, makes for some really interesting ideas and some potentially winning combinations if you are able to match this stuff up right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and get enough of the the hop oils while they're still fresh, right. you know, into the beer at the at the end of the at the end of the boil as well. Um, mm-hmm. It's really a beer. It's really a beer like this that's balanced towards huge hop additions in the whirlpool or at the end of the boil and in the dry hop, and and not emphasizing too many hop additions in the early part of the boil or even in the mid or late part of the boil. Really simplifying that aspect of it, I think, makes the beer more simple and, and angular and less of a, a messy hop profile to it. Um, I mean, typically when I was making homebrew IPAs in the past, I do additions at sixty, forty-five, thirty. Mm. 20 15 mm. 10 5 and you thought that fought the i thought that that i thought that that was helping and layering i actually kind of challenged that but now. you don't now i don't right. now i actually will do just two but or you, two or three charges during the boil but you have a, a recipe i saw and maybe that's not quite the recipe i saw like you know literally at least 10 different hops varieties in there so you feel that the uh, lots of hop varieties are okay, not muddling the hop character. It's timing. This one actually has a fairly simple amount of hop varieties used, uh, yeah. and it, it could have been an early version of that recipe I posted uh-huh. in the forum, right. or one of my earlier IPAs. And I not, think you were just clearing out one. the hop locker. I've done that one too. Whoa, that whoa, one can whoa. be a lot of fun. Whoa, not uh-huh. the triple rock cop locker. Let's slow down. People. <laughs> Well, rating uh, Roger's uh, stash here, actually. Yeah, Roger, what do you think on on? Uh, and I find this interesting. Uh, I'm translating Nathan, Roger's Nathan, philosophy, Nathan's, my brewing, and then bringing it back Nathan's to him. <laughs> right? Well, so what do you doing what it all you, wrong? Maybe it it's something you learned from you. So, do you have that same feeling that you know, er, lots of early or you know, additions throughout the the uh, the hopping, like. Um, Hey, let's let's say uh, a dogfish ninety minute. You know, hopping every minute for ninety right. minutes. Does that add a more muddled character than you know more varieties or you know even just a single variety, a small charge up front and then blast the the daylights out of it towards the end? What's the the theory yes. there? <laughs> All right, <laughs> nice. No, I, I you know. I'm I'm really simple when it comes to like uh, when it comes to cuddle additions of anything like malt bill is is simple you know mm-hmm. don't let it muddle over like what the hops are supposed to present don't add too many hops uh, because it's all just going to meld into one I mean right. you in my opinion you want to keep it kind of separated you know mm-hmm. it's like you know how are you going to know how to change something if you add so many different right. components to right, a beer right right right. You know, the first time we did a pro-am with Nate was uh, we did a double IPA, the, uh, the yeah, North Oakland. North Oakland, yep. And, you know, I'm sitting at the bar eating lunch, not drinking, by the way. Um, <laughs> and Nate's like, all right, I'm going to go add more hops. And I was like, all right, dude, go ahead. You know, and like you saw 10 me. minutes later, he'd come back. He'd have <laughs> like three bites out of his, uh, you know, his no, food. And he's like, hops. I got to go add more hops. And I was like, all right, go ahead. <laughs> You know, when he was all done, I had to take inventory of the hops, and I was like, "What? What the hell just happened?" You know, I was like, "Yeah, I think first George... Hurricane uh, Hurricane Nate came through and just <laughs> wiped us out there." I think at one well, point I... George is uh, his other brewer said, "I'd never seen the hop bucket that full actually." <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the that's quantity or the number of dishes, uh, both. 
you know, quantity and additions. And, you know, typically with the double IPA, I'll do four additions in the kettle, and that includes the Whirlpool. Mm-hmm. Uh, one at uh, 30 to the end, uh, and then another one with 15 to the end mm-hmm. for a double. But with our, our regular everyday IPA, it's it's three additions, you know, one one for bittering, one for flavor, and one for uh, Whirlpool. Yeah. And most of it goes in the uh, in the fermenter, you know, because you get more bang exactly. for your buck at that point. Mm-hmm. Well, in defense of, of Hop Larry, which I have to defend, well, I, I notice on, it makes a bigger difference on lighter beers. If I'm making like an IPA or yeah, I can see that uh, or double IPA, that doesn't really matter. You just need enough bitterness to offset the big malt bill that you got in there. But on on lighter beers, again, I'm back to my experimentation I'm doing with trying to make a full bodied uh, lighter uh, session uh, pale ale. Is you do get more mouthfeel with with hop layering, I think, in that environment. Hmm. No, I, I I probably would agree with that. And uh, if you bring me a sample, I'll uh, let you know for sure. But <laughs> uh, until then, <laughs> I got a couple. Kids interesting, at home. interesting. I mean, even with the uh, the the beer that you mentioned earlier, the session beer, which is you know we'll we'll do a session pale ale or IPA, double IPA, whatever you want to uh-huh. call it, at like three and a half percent. But even that one gets four additions in the cuddle. But. Uh, you know, the way that Nate was doing it in the first time, and this is nothing against Nate, but I was just, like, blown away. Like, That's homebrew, homebrew style of doing that well, kind it, of Well, it beer, is what it know? is, and to be honest with you, the beer was awesome. It was. It turned out well, so it's not that that method doesn't work, but I was looking at be, ways... it could be done differently, in my opinion, is what, I, what I'm trying to say, I guess. Yeah, economics of scale in the, in the mm-hmm. brew pub, I was thinking about that in making this beer. Um, right. What do you want to make and not necessarily waste hops yeah, if you're in doing, the wrong place if you're doing five gallons uh, um, i'm with you just same thought you know at heretic when we're very cheap and uh well you're very I can't cheap affo- i can't afford <laughs> yeah i'm very cheap and can't really afford chris a lot has of a stuff money hey, that's like chris you can throw in some hops at the very beginning you can throw in some hops at the very end i don't want to waste any hops in between it's either you're going for flavor or you're going for bittering i none of this in between stuff so we have like two editions, you know. Well, then we dry hop. So you know, like 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 you're saying, the dry hop. You, that's where you get your value. Yes, that's I think we're we're much. going no no hopping in the kettle anymore. It's all going to be dry hop. <laughs> Makes knockout a lot easier. Well, part of this is yeah. also inspired by uh, evaluating the quality of the hops that I can get. Uh-huh. Kind of being disappointed over time in either the quality that I'm getting, or maybe I'm just more aware of what I'm finding now and not liking everything that I can find and saving the the really good hops that I like the most uh-huh. for dry hop additions and really seeing what uh, emphasizing a dry hop addition in a beer and a really late hop addition in the kettle can do to transform a beer. So you could take well, this, like, you could take this yeah. same uh, bittering addition and do completely different things mm-hmm. with the dry hop and, no. leave, and leave the late kettle addition the same. And I think get some really interesting results. I, I know people are thinking to themselves while they're listening to this, they're saying, well, how are you deciding, you know, or how do I decide what is, you know, a great hop for, you know, dry hopping and or should I be using it for bittering? How how should I how should I tell? What's, what's really the simple thing to start? Roger, go ahead. It looks like you want. Well, the one thing that uh, I, I'd like to throw in is that, uh, you know, most of these hops uh, that are the high alphas are being grown for Budweiser to use as bittering. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not meant for aroma. Right. You know, leave it to homebrewers and craft brewers to be like, oh, that smells awesome. I'm going to throw that in the fermenter. You know, mm-hmm. the hop growers are like, that's really not what that's for. You know, it's it's mostly for just throwing it in, you know, to mass produced uh, mm-hmm. lagers. So you know? they can produce extract from it or something like that. Yeah, basically. yeah. 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 But yeah. you know, it turns out that the, you know they 
the hop growers have found this whole new market, and I think Simcoe is is probably the the best example because that hop was grown for Budweiser to basically use as a bittering hop, mm-hmm. and it's you know it's grown in acres ever since uh, because craft brewers are uh, grabbed onto it. So did mm-hmm. home, home brewers. You know, it's like yeah. that's one of the best hops. Everyone loves that hop, and Citra is the same way. Now they're growing all these different hops because of that. Right. right. Yeah, I could take it or leave it. Well, well, Nate will confirm this. Hops? Who woke you up? I'm trying not to insert myself. Nate will confirm this, but the best best hops are are the hops with the most, for late hops, are Mm -hmm. the hops with the most oil. I mean, and Citra is just loaded with oil. Well, it's it's one of of the things that uh, Brindelson has been a real promoter of um, is, you know, we should be looking at hops and we should be evaluating hops. We shouldn't be looking at alpha acid. They shouldn't be reporting alpha acid as the number that you're looking at. They should be you know, oil percentages. And uh, he showed a, an analysis sheet of uh, some cascades that had, you know, just this huge amount of oil, like more than your traditional Simcoe and all these others. It was just massive. It depends on the growing conditions and the, yeah. and the type of, uh, the hop, you know, the hop producer and what they're doing to, to you know, grow those, those hops. I know uh, Chris and I, we've, we've come across, we've sampled different growers and different, you know, what they say is the same hop. And you open the bag and you're just like, wow, you're blown away. You're like, that smells great. You open another bag and you're just like, that doesn't smell like anything. Uh, you know what's going on, and it's you know it's those oils. That's that's where you know all the character is, and I think that's where we care about as homebrewers or when you're making something like dankness. Yeah, I mean it's it's basically like any other crop, just like wine grapes. You can have wine grapes that grow up on the hillside that are totally different than something you know, mm-hmm. three hundred yards away. And right. Like the winemaker is right. going to take that and use it in a different bottle, you know, and totally mm-hmm. keep it separate because mm-hmm. it's totally different. Hmm. Yeah, I know this is a conversation I've had with Roger a couple of times now. Is uh, he's got a pretty specific preferences when it comes to Columbus specifically about where he likes well, it's to get actually his, the CTZ, the CTZ. Um, and so that, it never really occurred to me before. Like you know, for a long time, I was just buying. Oh, this this provider they have the hop that I want. So I, that I you know the best price. Yeah, and it's like you know, it's not necessarily best it. price. It's you know what the yeah. character of it. You can't really put a price on like good beer. I mean, you can, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, priceless. <laughs> priceless to the people who are paying attention. To I mean, the cost of the hops is part of the cost of the beer, but a, a few right. dollars here or there, I mean, you want, really want better beer is going to serve you Yeah, better. yeah. You know, it, it can range. You know, um, we we spent a lot on, you know, a, a poor quality hop, I think, you know, that I have contracted, and then I kind of lucked in. I was looking for some more and lucked into a really high-quality version of the same hop. I'm like, oh, yeah. From the and same, it was from the same supplier. It was like a third the price. No, from a different supplier, mm-hmm. different farm. I just says how, like how variable it is. I mean, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Price, yeah. you have to you have yeah. to try them all. That's yeah. like what Chris was saying, and uh, you know, CTZ is a, a you know, for whatever reason they have the same parentage, but uh, you know, each one of those is completely different. Mm-hmm. Whether it's grown on this side of the Yakima Valley or mm-hmm. you know, in, sure. even the Willamette Valley, yeah. you know, it's the uh, Columbus Tomahawk Zeus. And the conversation I had with Chris uh, a week or two ago was, you know, I was like, oh, I want to see what the difference is. So I actually ordered Zeus. I ordered Columbus. And uh, those two, because I, I use it as a Roma hop, not a bittering hop. Mm-hmm. Uh, those 
two beers were totally different. Everyone was just like, what the hell did you do to the IPACs? It's like, all right, we're oh. going back to the CTC. <laughs> right, Which right. I believe is the tomahawk of, mm-hmm. the, of the three. And it depends what field you're getting it from, you know, what, what grower, what, you know, what yeah. producer, and even how the producer handles the hops can make a big difference. All right, so um, let's see here. Recipe? I'm thinking recipe or yeah. break. Recipe or break? Recipe or break? Recipe or break? Well, let me just say I'm We can do beer. both. I'm out of beer. All let's, right. let's do the recipe during the break. <laughs> that sounds good. We're what does the chat room say? Let's change it up a little bit. I mean, who cares? All right. Yeah. Just just let's, listen for it during the break. What does the chat room say? They're all complaining about how each chat. other likes cats. So Yeah, they're in a different universe as yeah. usual. Yes. So don't even right. worry about the chat room. But well, we do have some good questions. Why, why don't you go ahead and rattle out the recipe, and then all we'll right. uh, and, and the chat room can think about that <laughs> while the rest of us get a beer. This for a 10-gallon batch. Uh, adjust accordingly depending on your batch size. Basically, the way I'm doing this, you'll probably only have to adjust the amounts in the flame out and the dry hop. That's the, the dankness recipe? This is the dankness okay. recipe, yes. Your homebrew yeah, recipe? The homebrew home okay. recipe. All right. Uh, 81% American two-row, 10% Belgian pills, 6, 6% crystal 15, and 3% carapils. Mash at 150 degrees Fahrenheit for 45 minutes. Mash out at 165 degrees for 15 minutes. 60-minute boil. 18 IBU Apollo at 60 minutes. 18 IBU Summit at 30 minutes. Flame out is 2 ounces of Apollo, 2 ounces of Summit, 2 ounces of Citra. And the dry hop at 10 days into fermentation for uh, 5 days total would be 1 ounce of Apollo, 2.5 ounces of Summit, and and 2.5 ounces of Simcoe. Fermentation is Y yeast ten fifty six or WLP one at sixty five degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, the original gravity ten sixty eight. Finish out at ten ten. Be about seven and a half percent alcohol. Leave the beer on the dry hop for only about five days maximum. Quick, quick dry hop. Big dry hop, but quick dry hop. Uh, that's the that's the recipe. All right, let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll get uh, Roger's side of the story. Back after this. Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmaster's Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmaster's database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmaster's Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. Brewmaster's Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BNARMY in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. Hey, what are you doing, man? Writing a review of WLP 400. What? You're reviewing yeast? Yeah. 
White Labs has home brewer reviews of all their strains. Are you new to these interwebs? Check it out. That's awesome. White Labs, your source for great yeast, invites all brewers to visit whitelabs.com to read and write your own reviews of all their yeast strains. Get real-world tips and tricks from other brewers who have made the most of their vials and post your own experiences. It's another way White Labs brings you closer to the best yeast on the planet. And send. There you go. You misspelled flocculate, dude. What? Ah. White Labs. It's all in the vial. Downtown Joe's, located in the historic Oberon Building in beautiful downtown Napa, California, offers an award-winning brew pub experience from 8.30 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day. For 15 years at the corner of 2nd and Main, Downtown Joe's has been voted Best Night Spot seven times and Best Brew Pub for the last four years in a row. Brewmaster Colin Kaminsky's handcrafted ales, like his Tailwagon Amber Ale and Double Secret Probation IPA, are the perfect accent to Riverside Dining, live music, and a relaxing outdoor patio. Don't miss the Beer of the Month, Special Rotating Taps, and the BN Army Member Special. Wear your BN gear, get 10% off your beer. Visit downtownjoes.com to make reservations, peruse their extensive calendar of events, or just read more about their fantastic beers. Come enjoy the fine beer, food, and music. Downtown Joe's, the award-winning brew pub where you'll feel at home. What does craft beer mean to you? Is it a delicious way to support your town's local brewer? Or perhaps it's the perfect beverage to pair with those delicious devils on horseback. Regardless of whether you're thinking of pints or pairings, pilsners or porters, craftbeer.com is the site where craft beer lovers come together to learn and share. Craftbeer.com is brought to you by the Brewers Association and celebrates the best of American craft beer and its brewers. Craftbeer.com is the best place to find craft beer events, recipes, great features stories, the most up-to-date brewery listings, and resources for your next beer tasting or dinner, like style guidelines, pairing mats, and charts. Get the inside scoop on new beer releases and special events from today's craft beer insiders, and chime in to share your own knowledge, perfect pairings, road trips, recipes, and more. Craftbeer.com, celebrating the best of American beer. BN Army, Hop Tech has a great discount waiting for you. Do you often find it difficult to find specific specialty ingredients for your homebrew recipes? Well, listen to this. Hop Tech stocks 59 different grains to choose from, 39 varieties of pellet hops, and 8 kinds of holy pops. And Hop Tech not only carries Y yeast and White Labs yeast for you, but also Fermentus, 04, 5, 6, 23, 33, and T58 Belgian yeast, plus Cooper's Nottingham and Windsor yeasts. Got your recipe ready to go? Pick up some great brew gear like new long and short sleeved shirts, games, and more. HopTech's new website is being updated every day with new items. If you don't see it, call the shop. They're open six days a week. BN Army and AHA members get a 10% discount, and active military personnel get 15% off. Visit HopTech.com today for great selection, great service, and a great discount. HopTech.com. Now back to the challenge. Can you brew it? How about that Northern Brewer? Those guys got everything there. I mean, uh, they uh, they aim to please. You know how they, they please me the most because the ingredients are so fresh. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Northern Brewer, you know, they have been uh, so great to us over, you know, so long. Over the last uh, six years or so we've been doing this show. Yeah. Which I can't believe it's been six years, but it has. Uh, they've been sponsoring us, taking good care of us, and... Um, Really, just because they're they're nice folks and interested in uh, promoting the beer uh, hobby. So, if you get a chance, check it out. Northernbrewer.com. dot uh, com. All sorts of stuff that you would need to to brew something like uh, Dankness, they have it. So, go check it out, and uh, you'll be sure to get lots of fresh, great ingredients. Quick, easy, seven ninety nine shipping. Great stuff. So that's where I got out. the uh, Summit supply to brew this beer. Actually, Northern there you Brewer. Go. Northern the only guys who had it, and it was awesome quality too. So northernbrewer.com, check them out. All right, so we're talking. We, we before the break, we got the recipe uh, for dankness for the homebrew version of dankness, and and uh, I was looking at Roger's brew sheet. I noticed some differences there. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe they got subbed out at the last minute. Oh, wait, that's not my <laughs> that's not my handwriting. That's not my handwriting. Actually, Nate, that is your handwriting. <laughs> it's like uh, I thought that's the way it worked at Rogers Brewery. You do what the hell he wants. Yeah. you can bring you the need, recipe. Yeah, that's a good idea. But we're going to do it this way instead. Yeah. Here you go. Uh, exactly. Here's the summit you wanted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just throw in the summit you wanted. But this says Simcoe, not Summit. It does. <laughs> no, uh, you had mentioned uh, that you used. Carapils? What was your malt bill again? Oh, carapils. So we ended yes. up using honey. We ended up using honey malt. Yeah, yeah. I was I happened to be standing in the uh, in the grain room with and George, and I did And I liked the way that honey smelled. So Those aren't the in. same malt. No, they're not at all. <laughs> no, they're, uh, <laughs> they're very, they're slightly very different. different. Yeah, slightly different. Uh, by, you like, like you know? So wait a minute. You liked the way it smelled. Yeah. So that was your. So we changed it for fun. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I threw that in because the carapils was not doing it for me that day. Yeah. <laughs> It was well. That carapils is only three years old, you know. Exactly. Their, yeah, <laughs> I think it was probably it's, from. It's more for the rats to eat because they'll eat the other stuff. <laughs> it was carapils from the last time I'd been there. I think so. We went with something else. No, it was only three percent. So I figured and it, that may have been what made it different. No, I actually like the Triple Rock version of the beer probably even better than the homebrew version. It may have had something to do with the hops more than that that honey malt choice, but. Um, yeah, that was a substitute we did on the on the grain bill for the pro side. Yeah. Well, and and so maybe before we get into the uh, the pro recipe, let's uh, maybe we should talk about the differences. Um, you know, having had both, what would you say between the two? Would you call them cloned, or you call them not cloned, or cloned in spirit, well, or what? Let me just throw this out before uh, before we get into that, and that is Nate has brewed there so many times that uh, you know the first he has an employee number essentially you know he's he's almost on the payroll, um, but uh, the first two times that we did it, I he gave me the percentages that he wanted to use of what malts, and I sent it back to him via email, and he sent it back. It's like, oh, right, let's go with this, uh-huh. with this one, and the last one that we did, it he did it himself. He yeah, graduated he, it up. He did it this way. He was like, "All right, we, we, we got to hit this gravity. I know how to do this." Boom, boom, boom. So, having said that, Roger used to give me the spreadsheet back. He has a spreadsheet where he plugs in all the numbers, and he used to go through and and redo stuff for me. This one, this time, I, since I know your efficiency pretty well, and I know, yeah, what is that by the way? I don't even know. <laughs> yes, like, that's a good you question. Be I can tell you, right, your efficiency is quite, near as I can tell is seventy three percent. From having looked at so when before I did this beer, I saved you that 
that hassle, and I went through the last few batches of IPA that you had done. Well, looked right, at how much right. looked at how many pounds of grain you'd used and what your gravity was and how you and the, you how, if you hit that or not and what your efficiency looked like. I used that to help scale up the home reversion that I was doing. And the hop side of it just basically took the homebrew hops that I would add and and just bumped it up on a per gallon level versus you know ten gallons versus two hundred seventeen so or seven a li- a linear a linear yeah just. that was linear. But the malt side of it, I took the efficiency that you're getting at Triple Rock with the process that you guys use. <sighs> And use that to scale up the malt percentage-wise. Um, maybe right. maybe it was that honey malt addition, Roger. What do you think? Nah, we would have meddled if that would have been the deal breaker. I don't know. <laughs> I'm four years running now and no metal. To almost 600 is going to make that big of a maybe difference. Maybe if I would have had carapils, it would have made a difference. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, actually, the, the hops made all the difference. And I think you had really fresh quality uh, Apollo and stuff. And I think I opened the bag when I was making those beers. Yeah, the, the Apollo was brand new. Um, and they were just they were hugely aromatic and you could just smell it coming right out of the kettle when I dumped yeah. those in it was it was just awesome yeah so I see we have a you have a large percentage of uh, of uh, Belgian Pilsner in your uh, grain bill what's what's, yes. what's the goal there with that what do you do so I have this this belief that that the type of enzymes that you get from high quality continental European Pilsner malt are really good enzymes and they help convert the beer in the mash really well and there's a nice it's better than the two row Yes, and there's a nice beer well, backbone. It, I like this term that you've used before, Tasty, about a, a beer backbone that you give any beer mm-hmm. of a Pilsner malt that you like. And in a beer where that makes sense, don't forget that you can use that as a as a tool to your advantage. So that yes. slight oh. graham cracker quality you get from maybe a good... Yeah, or some of your dad's beer in there. Even. Exactly. Yeah. So it gives it this, this slight complexity of a... Uh, a good German Pilsner or a good Bohemian Pilsner or something like that. It's it's real subtle. It's real in the background. I'd rather use something like that as opposed to Munich, which is or a little like bit a more solid or something. No, which wait, is a little wait, bit wait, more wait, aggressive wait, and a little bit more like nutty or peanut butter like. Yeah, I don't really nutty. want that so much. Yeah. So hold on, hold on, oh, hold the hold beep, the phone beep, here, man. So beep. so you're you're saying that it's the the enzymes are different and you're getting a different enzyme in the Connell. It's not that well, the, the malt and the then the kilning of the malt and the the melanoidin formations and and the growing conditions and the minerals in the soil and the the growth and all that stuff. You're saying it's the enzymes from that process, not the other parts of the process that have developed this flavor. I think it's all those things too, a little bit. But you get flavor and function. You get you know dad, huh? dad's beer flavor, like Tasty was saying, from nice good pilsner malt, and right. you hopefully get. Because of that lower kilning temperature of a good Pilsner malt, a lot more enzymes are still intact. So if you're going to mash kind of low at 140s to 150s range, some about diastatic yeah, power. You have a lot of diastatic power. Yeah, right. You got two malts and you got two different sets of enzymes. Exactly, and they're both working to reduce those yeah. those uh, starches. In theory, and like you know, you know, take one enzyme and you know you can convert matter. the entire mash. So, like I was saying, voodoo and superstition. It may, <laughs> it may not actually be doing anything. Yeah, but so I buy, not a, see, I buy into this concept because when I start making beers that have a high percentage of, uh, yeah, the guy throws dog hair in, in his beer. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, maybe yeah. less dog hair. <laughs> uh, they just I had I had to start mashing really really high, so otherwise they'd attenuate down hmm. way too low. I only contribute to the combination of the malts. So what do you think? Right, do you think right. that, that there's something to the enzyme thing tasty, or you think it's just a flavor? I think it's thing? all about diastatic power. I think yeah. there's like you get 
There are certain things that are that, I, that I, by I, the kilning I, process yeah. you only get a. I think if you're doing a short mash stand or um, you know something like that, maybe commercial brewers often do do a shorter mash stand than the uh, home, brewer, or home brewers will, though. Um, often, a lot of breweries, most of the breweries I've worked at, where um, might do a twenty minute rest and then start boralofing for another 20 minutes and then start running off. But, you know, that's 20 minutes of resting, too. I mean, just because yeah. you're so boring. like Typically, like I would say 40 minutes yeah. total as opposed to the hour plus that homebrewers often like to do. When I, when I was at Drake's, we'd mash in and uh, we'd wait 15 minutes, run off, or uh, boral off for 20 minutes and mm-hmm. off to the kettle we went. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. This stuff is so well converted. I'm sure that... Yeah, I mean, the Malster is doing all. half the job for you. Yeah. You know, that's... And, you know, nothing against Nate. Again... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that, that's but when he when he wanted to use the pills and roll, I was like, "All right, you know, well, it's whatever. Uh, <laughs> whatever. You know, the, yeah, it's all good." The you know the the difference tends to be, um, you know, a lot of times in crush. So yeah, it, it's it's not necessarily the enzyme activity; it's the solubility of the starches, yeah. and it's it's the ingress of the the water into the those particles of grain, and the finer you crush it, the faster that'll convert. So you can. Um, somebody sent me a question from he's in some brewing science class. They had a challenge of who could make the highest gravity wort from you know a given thing of grain. The same. And I said grain. make yeah make it make it flour, and you know grind it down to dust and uh, put as little water in as you can, and then you know to extract out the amount of water you need for the sample, they need to come up with a certain number of uh, you know milliliters of sample. And, you know, that converts really quick because the water reaches in and, you know, the enzymes get into, you know, those little nooks deeper into the, yeah, the part of the, if, if there's chunks, there's everything's chunks, really available, yeah. Right, if there's chunks of starch, uh, chunks of the grain, it takes longer and a longer mash stand will extract more and convert more of that. So you get higher efficiency and a lot of those other things. If if it's you know the bigger the chunks, the longer that that stand is important. So you can go real quick, but um, you know you're leaving behind extract, you're leaving behind potential. So you know the the finer the grind, and I think a, a lot of times a lot of commercial brewers they tend to to uh, crush a little a little finer. Now Chris's point was that like a lot of home brewers do mash for an extended period. Uh, what's the downside of that? You think, in terms of like, uh, hmm. so you say so you are converted right. in thirty minutes, but you oh, know, home brewers, your day, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, more time away from the kids, yeah, That's yeah. a plus, right, right. It doesn't hurt anything, does well, it? You, know, you might theoretically get a different uh, fermentation, pro- like or, like the ferment- fermentability of your wort, but Would that's built into your process. Like you know, the right. first time you oh, brew, you, fer- you know, you mash at one fifty two, and you get X amount of attenuation with and the yeast. Change the temperature, right? And if you want less attenuation, then you mash higher than you did first. And right. if you want mm-hmm. less, mm-hmm. you know, you, so it might be different, but it's effectively not but, but if it's it's fully converted in 30 minutes and you go another 30 is there like any like direct downside to that uh not necessarily should be right? no. like yeah i can't think of clearer any downsides. Work i mean it's just right. the only downside yeah. is that you you read the Waste sports the page as well as yeah. the classifieds right. you know it's like mm-hmm. smoke mm-hmm. of the joint yeah <laughs> well, <laughs> <touche>. <laughs> for those that smoke all right so, so i'm converted next time i'll do this <laughs> it should be an interesting comparison, yeah. actually. Yeah, drop, the next... drop the Pilsner malt, right? 
But well, we got dankness on the schedule, so we'll, but see, the, uh, we'll the, probably do it soon. Yeah, we the could Pilsner do this Malt can add a certain grainy kind of character to it. I don't think it's enzyme based. Yeah. I think it's from it's more of a flavor compound. Yeah, it's a Kill flavor compound from the from the you know what was grown and you know those proteins and starches and minerals, the moisture the and, and the kilning. I think you know those things are are part of melanoid formation, and when they kiln it, that's what it's creating, and that's what you get. It could be real light in color. But there are some some flavor compounds developed from that. So I think flavor production over pseudoscience. I like that. That makes <laughs> a lot more sense to me. <laughs> I'll stick to that one next time somebody asks him. Oh uh, yeah, well, some homebrewer asks me the Pilsner malt question. I'll say flavor. I'm sticking to di- I'm sticking <laughs> to uh, diastatic like power. Flavor. It's all about the diastatic flavor. power. You're sticking That's with that one, Tasty. With that, yeah. All right. Oh, and, and the two may have story. you know the in Tasty's defense, the two may have some sort of. Uh, relationship, you know, the way that the well, one has created, the other you know, does. And then yeah. it, it, it's like the oil and alpha acid thing where there's a tendency of, you know, when you see higher alpha acids, you tend to see higher oils, you know, or not. Um, you know, I, I don't think that always holds true, but there is some sort of, seems to be some sort of relationship there. And then maybe there's the same thing on the diastatic power. I don't know. Good but then well you would take like, uh, what is it? Six row malt, uh, domestic six row, and you'd exactly. have an even higher to set right? More high, more dice. So that power, would have right? even better flavor We're for you. Possibly. <laughs> We're making a change here. All right. So Roger, next time you need some six row. Okay. Well, uh, do they still grow that? Stuff? <laughs> I was waiting for this one. You gotta buy a whole set. Uh, Roger was nice and went out of his way to get a bag of Belgian pills, which I don't think he normally had around, which was uh-huh. kind of cool. So He's I got castle, in, so. castle pills. Castle right pills, yeah. It's good yeah. stuff. You know, I really actually, like that stuff. Ironically, ironically speaking, uh, I used to work at a brewery in the city that's since closed down, and I won't mention any names, but anyone can figure that out. He had a number, he had a number of tanks. Uh, <laughs> and the owner there was very uh, adamant about using six row. He actually had a silo with two row, and he had a silo filled with six row, and we were supposed to mix the two for each recipe. Wow. <laughs> Different percentages. And stuff. Roger started yeah. working there, and, you the, know, and the yeah, six and row then silo everything went to two empty. row, and then the six <laughs> row was always full. I was like, well, we don't need any six row. We're, we're good. Would you use the same mill setting, or did you mill them separately? Because aren't, aren't the kernels no. sized differently? I don't know. I don't <laughs> use the six row. You act like they were. Yeah, you didn't care who paid any attention. Well, that's a good point because Maris Otter is a much more plump kernel. If you're yeah. using the same mill setting for Maris Otter and Pilsner, you may not get equal results at all. Uh, I mean, uh, maybe Chris can uh, help us out on this one, but uh, anything that I've used from the UK or actually from Europe uh, has always been more plump, whether it be two row or six row. Well, oh, really? Actually, I never use six row, but Pilsner I mean, uh, or Maris Otter. When I was at Drake's, we used to get our silo filled with um, with uh, Chris's uh, regular two row. Not the Marisot or anything like that, because that's you know, arm and a leg. But uh, we used to get it in there, and uh, I would do a side by side with uh, you know some of the American malts, and it was like you can almost fit two kernels of the American into one of the huh. of the UK. So one more. part where we're not fatter than the uh, Europeans <laughs> yeah. in the malt. Zinger. <laughs> well, we'll just add more salt. <laughs> I think it varies maltster to maltster, not necessarily. I don't know. You can necessarily g- well, it's, generalize it's crop, it to crop to crop, you know. And, and well, yeah, it and, is crop to crop, and, but uh, uh, also uh, you know genetics of of you know what uh, cultivar they're using, right? Yeah. No, I, I mean, when we were using the crisp, it was like everyone's like, "Wow, you're you're using crisp? That's like forty cents a pound." It's like, yeah, but we're using. 
twenty percent less in mm-hmm. getting the gravities that we need. Mm-hmm. More you starch. Know, so that it's like, at the end yes. of the at the end of the brew, we're actually paying less mm-hmm. for the for the gravities that we're and we're you needing. potentially have less husk matter in the exactly. in the mash. Was right. the lotter okay with the less husk matter? I mean, did lotter? Yep. Right? Sure. Yeah. Interesting. But anyways. <laughs> Food for fun. Hops. Okay, so you still didn't call it like clone, not cloned. It's I called only... it clone plus one. Actually, I like the triple rock version even better than the, so, the homebrew versions that I had done. And maybe that I think part of that was attributed to the the really good Apollo and Summit that mm-hmm. that we were able to get or that Roger was able to get for that for that beer. They were just hugely aromatic, and it it really helped bump up these nice angular flavors mm-hmm. in the hops and the other. The other thing I think that really I really dialed in the amount of citra in the kettle edition too over time. So mm-hmm. different than the earlier homebrew versions that I had done. By the time we had done the the pro version, I had lowered that amount by a, a little bit than what I had done earlier. Mm-hmm. In the earlier version of this recipe, I'd played around with doing citra as the dry hop, and by the time we had were able we we're going to do the pro am version, I completely deleted that and just d- did Apollo and Summit and um, Simcoe. Mm-hmm. The other thing, too, is uh, leaving Simcoe for the dry hop edition only and not using Simcoe at all in the kettle. Mm-hmm. So kind of where Citra would have been in the kettle, we switched to Simcoe for the dry hop. Mm-hmm. That's how, how I think that that fruitiness or that that's, those citrus qualities kind of cross right. over. Right. That's, where the, that's the connection because the Apollo and the Summit are the big, huge, dank side of it. Mm-hmm. But you want some elements of, of state, straight citrus and fruit and maybe melon coming from Citra and and Simcoe to kind of fill in the rest of that and not just be straight uh, dank CTZ or Apollo mm-hmm. or, or Summit kind of things. You get those other hops in there to round that out a little bit more. But not Citra in the dry hop. I found that it has a big lemony quality, which kind of clashes with the Apollo and Summit. Really? Citra, and, Citra in the dry hop works really well for other beers, but I didn't like it in this one so much. It kind of seemed to clash with those other two hops for whatever reason. So. Mm. I, I well, maybe for enzyme reasons. I think. I think, yeah, definitely had to do with enzyme <laughs> reasons. Who would have mashed it? Well, static power of the hops you're talking yeah, about? Yeah. Yes. I'm yeah, getting exactly. that. If it would have mashed at 152, that citra would have worked great as a dry hop. Right, right. I, I think so. I think so. Well, a lot of people use too much citra in the dry hop. I think if you use a little bit of citra, it it, it does. it is really pretty good, I think. Huh. It's a potent yeah. hop, and you can, it's, it, you can people, easily redo it. Overdo because it. it's new, people want to overuse it to make sure that they get the full effect. They need to underuse it. They need to consider it like just an additive. Roger has something to say. I'm, a, I'm actually a big believer in uh, overusing it, so you know what it is. <laughs> well, yeah. But, uh, you know, just on that note, it's like uh, two years ago, we were able to get Citra for a Harvest Ale, and uh-huh. we used it. And people in the in the brew pub were just like, what the fuck are you guys brewing today? Because the whole brewery smelled like pink grapefruit. Huh. I mean, it wasn't yellow like that, like you know, sharp citrusy. It was like mm-hmm. the mellow pink grapefruit. That sweet, yeah. It's all that aroma, yeah. all that exactly. oil, <coughs> yeah, vaporizing into your brewery. Yeah. Well, yeah, gone, so, <laughs> bastards. It was, a, it was a great. Day I was scraping the day. ceiling afterwards <laughs> and put it in the fermenter. Is that? Is that yeah, well, you yeah, lost it. Well, like well, the, that's why it's a better dry hop. I think it's like well, the brewer's version of scraping the pipe. Man. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Roger. How do you call it? You you you've tasted the dankness, the homebrew version, and and you've tasted your own version. How do you call it? Would you call that cloned as well, or were you disappointed in the result, or 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 how did you feel? Did you feel you you matched it and you were you were good? 
I, I think we were good. I mean, judging by sales that lasted 10 days mm-hmm. uh, at the brew pub, so, you know, according to the general public, it was good. They were ordering second uh, How long would Nate's how did it brew match? version last? How long would that have lasted? What, a five-gallon keg? <laughs> no. <Yeah. laughs> so you're talking five <laughs> gallons or seven barrels? Uh, <laughs> Equal-sized batch. <laughs> uh, well, that's essentially what he did. You know, he did his, his batch at Triple Rock. That's mm-hmm. what I was saying before is that he scaled that up himself. He did everything himself and, you know. He knocked it out of the park, in my opinion. Uh, having said that, um, I th- I think we knocked it out of the park. I mean, I, well, there were some differences think, in recipe, though. I mean, so yeah, we have the honey malt, which is different. Yeah, but that's I mean, you're, looking, minor, at, you're though, looking at you're looking at one and a half to two percent of a malt yeah. bill. That's mm-hmm. you know, yeah, that's always going to change everything to a certain extent. But to the general public, they're not going to know. To me. Next time, let's use carapils. The hops are the driving driving factor in the beer. And one thing I think that we will change when we brew this again at Triple Rock is lower the bittering addition just slightly. Yeah, I'd, I'd see, like use, to see a little little less bittering in the beer. You use than ten that. ounces of a eighteen alpha, you know, and that's yes. when the alphas obviously count is when you're when you're adding them to the the kettle. Um, we could yeah, drop that I mean, down to eight ounces and we'll see what happens, well, just for fun. That's essentially what uh, what our everyday IPA is. About that same level yeah, of IBU. We use a pound of 14 alpha. Magnums. See, you can see where I'm going with this recipe. I'm just humping IPAX until we basically yeah, exactly. get there. <laughs> Why don't we just do another IPAX? Come in for an IPAX <laughs> brew and we'll call yeah, it day. that one day. IPAX with new hops. Nah, it's actually different than that. But I was noticing that the the philosophies of IPAX, I think, have influenced the way that I brew IPAs. And that's a, an, a recipe that works really well for you at Triple Rock. Yeah, we're actually uh, I'm brewing a beer on... Thursday, that's going to be uh, EPAX, which is English hops. Oh. <laughs> You're going to go through the entire alphabet. You're going to start with the vowels. <laughs> A-E-I-O-U. Yeah. U-PAX. U-PAX. O-PAX. Yeah. All right. A-PAX. I'll go, uh, E-PAX. 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 A-A-PAX. E-PAX. I-PAX. O-PAX. U-PAX. And sometimes why. All right. Why tax? <laughs> Quick why note. Packs? Let's take a short break. And when we come back, we will uh, wrap up this uh, interesting conversation about uh, brewing a, a, a amateur beer at the Pro Brewery. Back after this. Hi, this is John from Grain and Grape in Melbourne, Australia. This has been a big year for us. We've just celebrated our 21st birthday and we've been voted best home brew shop in Australia. We reckon that makes us pretty much the best brew shop in the Southern Hemisphere. Now we've got the ultimate fix for all you space poor, time poor and lapsed brewers. The all-in-one Braumeister is now at Grain and Grape and it's a beauty. There are 20, 50 and 200 litre systems. It lets you complete a temperature controlled mash, boil and cool, all within the same stainless steel mains powered unit. So if you live in an apartment, you don't have the time to complete a traditional brew day or just plain lazy, you can be brewing beautiful all-grain beer more quickly than ever. We're also now making our own range of small batch fresh work kits on the 200 litre system right here in the warehouse. Just one last thing. Mention the Brewing Network next time you're ordering online or over the phone to receive freight free on your next order of up to 15 kilos. Check out grainandgrape.com.au for conditions. Hi, I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the Home Brewed Chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your home brew for Brew Your Own magazine. Greetings, cretins. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. 
John Palmer, Sean Paxton, Jamil Zanishev. If you love listening to them on the Brewing Network, you'll love reading their articles, tips, and recipes in the pages of Brew Your Own magazine. Join Jamil, John, and Sean eight times a year in Brew Your Own. And when you subscribe to BYO on the Brewing Network website, half of your subscription price goes right back to the BN to support great beer and food programming. So sign up for Brew Your Own magazine through the BN website today so you can listen and read your way to better homebrew. In a world where everything has been lost. What happened to the city? It's in ruins. Only one man has the ancient knowledge to restore civilization. (sighs) I need a drink. No, the liquor store's been ransacked. You looking for beer, stranger? (laughs) Boy, all the liquor got drunk up in the first 25 minutes of the apocalypse. Wait, there's still some bottles over... Oh, no. Those are non-alcoholic beer. (laughs) I reckon you better stick to arrowroot tea and a desperate nomadic existence like the rest of us. People, I'm a home brewer. I know how to make alcohol. Come with me if you want the beer. Okay, I'm going to need some big plastic buckets. He is the chosen one. The prophecies say that he's going to get us wasted. Someone start heating water. And From the creators of Northern Brewer, the people who brought you $7.99 Brew Saver Shipping, massive selection, and superior customer service comes... Listen, our lawyer said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months. And then to the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat> hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment nine years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer and Brew Free or Die IPA throughout California and Alaska. And now, it's also available on draft at select accounts in the Bay Area. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in the can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of their 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Their new Snaplock stainless steel camlock fittings will make connecting your pump or heat exchanger quick and easy. Or check out their exclusive paintball tank-based draft beer equipment. They even have their own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse their vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 4 p.m. Pacific Time weekdays ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. 
All right, we're back. We're having a good time. The best. Good time. The best time. Studio. All right. Um, so, uh, what's a what's a conclusion here? Actually, the conclusion is uh, <laughs> I've tricked Roger into brewing this again. So it must have not sucked. Yeah. No, like I said, it sold at the pub. So you know, anything, uh, anything one, to sell. You know, one trick for homebrewers who can't find maybe Apollo or Summit, you could potentially use CTZ and and get something in the same realm. Hopefully, you won't have to, have to substitute both. But if you only have to substitute one of those, you could uh, try to do CTZ. Not all those hops are always readily available, so that's worth mentioning for people who are interested in doing something like this. Right. At least currently, Apollo and Summit, there's plenty of, of both. Oh, nice. And uh, I guess the only thing is, you know, if nobody brews with it, then it's probably going to wither up and go away like, like a lot of other hops do. So um, go out and get yourself some Apollo and Summit. We... we we love both at uh, Heretic. Hey, is that what you're putting? I mean, in the, maybe uh, not Summit so much, but Apollo. And <laughs> <laughs> the cousin that we, are little we bit of I don't know. Maybe maybe request it for Caney Brewer, and then oh, you'll I find it. I don't know. Well, you're all tight lipped all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're using Apollo, Summit, and Columbus in the uh, cousin. Nice. Ultra dank. Yes. Dankness. Why do you call it the cousin? Dank. Because of its dankness, I guess. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm getting it. Amazing, I would get that. I mean, I'm a pretty straight guy. <laughs> you are. I, I, I wouldn't know where you'd you'd yeah. find that out. Well, I know where you, you find you find out a lot of fun things, and that's at our uh, sponsor, uh, AdamandEve.com. Fellows and gals, are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Seat in my car. Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com. For limited time only, you get 50% off just about any item. But that's not all. Oh, no. When you select your one item of 50% off, you also receive three free adult DVDs for a little inspiration, plus a free extra gift. So sensual, we can't mention on the radio. Damn. That must be sensual. And to top it all off, we'll even throw in... an offer? <laughs> we'll even throw, throw in free shipping on your entire <laughs> order. And no, we're not teasing. So check out adamandeve.com today for the special offer. You'll get 50% off one item when you type Jamal, J-A-M-I-L, for the free offer code upon checkout. When you do, you get the three free DVDs, and these are DVDs that you get to choose. They're not just like some crap out of the out of the loser bin. You actually yeah. get to pick your own perverted DVD. Why do I get this uh, gay one again? <laughs> Ryan, Ryan, they keep saying it. It's like Netflix. Netflix thinks I am a black gay woman who... <laughs> Who, a Jewish woman? I'm sorry, a black, a black gay Jewish woman, and uh, you know. Specific? Is there a movie out there geared towards? That no, there's a whole thing? bunch sure of is. them. There's a whole bunch of them. And I'll tell Maybe you. You check the box. Said you were into big bushes. The, the funny thing. The funny thing is, I really. They send me these movies, and I really like them. So I maybe I am. I don't know. Could be. I'm I've cool learned with, to love the fetish. I'm cool with that. It's, it doesn't doesn't bother me at all. You know, it's uh, but uh, you know, it's it's a lot of uh, a lot of women. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, movies about uh, the Holocaust. A lot of women <laughs> movies about. Uh, uh, you know, uh, human centipedes, the human centipedes, uh, 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 you know, centipedes. transgender movies, things like that. Wow, uh, they got you figured uh, out. You know, you know, uh, suffrage, and uh, you know, I don't know, but I, I, I enjoy it. So there you go. So no, you get to pick your DVDs though. 
on this. And you get a free extra gift and free shipping. So just use the offer code J-A-M-I-L at adamandeve.com. And don't forget, they have the new mobile site. So you can uh, get your get your needs on uh, at m.adameve.com uh, anytime you need. So check them out. Uh, good sponsor. They've been with us for a while, and uh, they, they, they stick with it because apparently you guys buy lots of stuff from adamandeve.com. So it's it's good stuff. Uh, check it out. All right. Do we have any uh, goodies in the uh, chat room? We do, actually. This is from longtime listener Mills. Mills, buddy. He says, uh, JP, uh, JP, I have a question. Jay-Z says that Evil Twin is all about whirlpool hops that give him 65 what? IBU. How is Evil his beer twin. different with our whirl- when did you say that all problem? whirlpool hops yeah. as opposed to generating those IBUs with a 20 or 10 minute kettle edition? Is it a mouthfeel difference? If so, how? I believe in the last uh, Bruce Strong or Can You Brew, possibly you you kind of waxed poetic about that. I did. Yeah, I waxed poetic. Um, yeah, it was pretty. Well, good. I'm not sure what the question is, but I'll answer it anyway. What's the difference? I mean, <laughs> getting all your IBUs at the end or gradually through the boil. Right. So the original thought was, if you go go to my website, uh, mrmalty.com. Uh, M-R-M-A-L-T-Y.com. Uh, no. Wow. Uh, go there. There's an article about uh, getting massive late hop character or something like that. Go and check that out. And, and really, I, I wrote that years ago, and the inspiration was I was down at uh, in San Diego for a quaff meeting, and uh, I was having a pint of Evil Dead Red from Alesmith. And the Evil Dead Red... Um, the you know they, they did like a, a small bittering addition and then everything else was at the very end of the boil they massive late hops and the bittering on that thing was really smooth and full and 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 not harsh or, or biting at all and uh, but it was quite bitter and had this massive hop character and I really enjoyed it and I asked Peter at the time and uh, he you know kind of walked me through what they were doing and that's a, a, why you need to read the article and um, it, it's you know just a smoother bittering I think or a gentler bittering it must have something to do with enzymes I think. Um, <laughs> Definitely, crush. crap they, for, they crush yeah. them all. Or the diastatic more. power, right. or yeah, the diastatic power of the hops, um, and uh, you know you, you just get tremendous you know hop character as well. So that's that's why. Now we're doing Evil Twin now, and we're to the point where we're not going to boil any hops, just throw them in in the whirlpool because you know sitting hot, you still isomerize the alpha acid, so it doesn't need to be boiled even, and we still get sixty seventy five IBUs. That answer the question, or do I fifteen minute boil whirlpool <sighs> chill for minute? Well, it raises questions. Yeah. I mean, you don't need that, you don't need to boil the freaking work. The scientists say you're not getting that, but obviously you are. So. Well, how is it different? Well, no, they say over like one seventy, one seventy five. Well, you know, the is longer yes, the longer you boil hops. If you boil hops a long time, if you're trying to make like a big barley wine and you put in a lot of hops and you're boiling, and you go ah, it's not concentrated enough, and you end up boiling like three hours. You boil your hops, it is a biting bitterness, I think. I think it really becomes different in character from the... And maybe it's something else going on there. But uh, I think you, you get uh, you, you Well, know, 85 minutes at Triple Rock, Roger, I think, yeah, for a uh, reason. And that's something I actually learned from Matt uh, a long time ago was uh, Matt Bernelson, by the way. The guy that um, needs no last name. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
They're at the Matt. Well, there's Vinny and Matt there's Matt, Matt there's Tommy. Vinny and Matt, you know, Tommy, yeah. The guys, yeah. yes. Uh, but, there's Roger. Uh, Everybody knows Roger around here. Yeah, Roger needs no last name. Roger you don't need any, you're like You're like Cher. Yeah. You're like Prince. Why are your pants off? That's what I want. Well, I tried to take them off earlier, but no one wanted to. But, you know, and he basically wrote an article stating that if you boil over 90 minutes, you're actually breaking down the hop too much. Mm-hmm. That uh, it's it's the oils are now being boiled off. Your bitterness is is discombobulated. It's going to be veg, vegetal more than uh, more than what you want essentially. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. and that's something I took to heart. And and ever since I started at Drake's in two thousand one was basically all right. We're boiling everything for eighty five minutes. Yeah, five minutes under. Now, us homebrewers, we're big fans of sixty minute. Or what mm-hmm. are we giving up there by doing that? Less utilization less of the hops. I mean, less utilization, but, we're spending a little bit too much money for bitterness. But, but no. the difference between 60 and 90 is really tiny. Yes. The difference between 60 oh, and 30 yeah. is much larger, and 60 and zero is go. huge. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's a return, diminishing returns. You know, you're really not a summarizing more, but you summarize up to, uh, or you, you continue to summarize the remaining alpha and beta acids or whatever to what? Two plus three hours or something. I think it cuts off. You know, it starts to, re- to return zero at like three hours or something like that. But that, you know, that extra, you know, I, you know, maybe it's just hoodoo psycho pseudo feeling pseudo science. You know, well, just throw some Pilsner malt in, you'll be all right. exactly right. That might smooth yeah, it back out. Could be out, stressing out the long chain uh, oils, or right? Something. But yeah. I, I really, I really feel yeah. that that's it's uh, you know a character difference in the you know when you boil for a long time, it the hops become really harsh and biting. Yeah. But our, our the way that we're doing our, the way we're doing hops in the Evil Twin is is a response to a problem that we encountered with our system. And so it's not something I would necessarily emulate at home if I was going to mm-hmm. brew Evil Twin on my homebrew system. Right. And so, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I don't think that, like, my experiences with all late hopping in the past at home have been that I have actually not gotten enough bitterness that I like in a beer. Right. Uh, yeah, if you're not. The reason we're doing it is because we were getting too much we, with it. Not we have a now. long hot stand. If you don't have a long hot stand above like 175 degrees Fahrenheit, um, then you're going to need to, you know, do a bittering addition earlier on to get, you know, enough bittering. Um, but, you know, if you're doing a long, like, Tasty, you've taken to doing hot whirlpool for, yeah. for a time to match all these. And I'm above 195 at the end. And. That's giving you, you know, uh, summarizing those alphas, so you're getting it there. So yeah, it depends getting, on your process. You're getting, you're getting BUs out of that, but yeah, why, yeah. why so long? To get more BUs. If I want to do it less time, I'd add more hops. I just want to get the, get why the don't you just out. add more hops in the beginning? I could, but I got more time than money. Yeah, turns yeah. out that, uh, you know, that's, I think the big difference here is that, uh, you know, professional brewers need to get it in the fermenter and, like, done and going. And home That's what we're missing to first. our wives, <laughs> whereas homebrewers can just uh, go whack off in the, in the bathroom or something. <laughs> in the what? Whatever. They don't in have the to, whirlpool? They're not worried about wives. Oh, yeah. Oh, I did, did I say that out loud? <laughs> All right. All right. Well, got any more questions? Is there something to be said then? That's I mean, the secret to Tasty's true pile. That begs the question, it, can, a, can a homebrew actually ever be cloned on a commercial scale? That's an interesting question. I, I, don't I think, think that's it an can. excellent question. And, it, can and be clo- it can hardly be cloned on a, on a 
I mean, on a homebrew side, home right? Side. Like right. If I give you my recipe, right? Homebrew to homebrew, but and and I think you can do pro on homebrew, but I'm not sure you can do homebrew kind of beers on the pro scale. That's the what Chris was talking about. We're kind of running into this difficulty where we have to shorten up our hot stand in order to try and get more of that evil twin kind of character that we're shooting for, which is. Um, you know, we'll, we're pre-chilling the water for, for, uh, the heat exchanger and, and doing a lot of these little things to try and, you know, quicken things up so we can actually be more like homebrew. Uh, you know, in, in a, in the homebrew situation, I can drop the temperature a hundred degrees in just a couple minutes and you can't do that commercially on the full batch. You know, your, your hops Plus are sitting there hot. Cool you have a heat tank. exchanger limitation there. Right, yeah. right. So yeah, that's that's excellent point, JP. I think um, you know it's impossible to maybe impossible to do a homebrew. I, I think it's not impossible. Yeah, it's a it matter of equipment and money. You and see time. one of those we, big we immersion chillers with the pump and right. the research thing. I don't know what that. We'll, we'll take like two inch copper, make a giant coil of it, jam it into the into the. Have a, into like, the a, have a, like a crane, you lift it in, yeah. lower it in. Yeah. 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 In a mini version, we can make a large version. Right. Well, the right. good news right. is, I think it just got you out of any remaining Bruce Strong shows. Just right now. Right. Yeah. There we go. You can't do it, everybody. And then there you go. That's it. <laughs> We're done. You're out. You're off the hook. All right. Uh, Mills has another question that I kind of don't understand because I'm retarded. Uh, I have been making IPAs that have a BUGU ratio about one third lower than the typical one to one ratio found in IPAs. Does that make sense? Yes. yes. Oh, fuck, I'm stupid. Um, I've been making it up. I, I've been making up for it with six ounces uh, dry hop per five gallon batch. Does the perception of the bitterness that comes from a large dry hop diminish faster than the hop character that comes? from a more traditional approach focusing on kettle hops for hop impression? Hmm. Interesting question. I think... Um, you didn't understand it either, did no, you? No, I understood it. You sure. know, I'm, I'm just trying to... You know, the, the, you know, the, the IBUs, your IBU level drops off quite quickly. It drops off in, in various ways. One is... You know, based on your pitching rate and the yeast cell size and all that surface area, that pulls out a lot of the bittering, right? right. Uh, that happens early on, and then you're probably dry hopping after that. So, you know, the dry hop may actually last better. The um, the and the other bittering, the, those isomerized alpha acids, they actually settle out over time. And I read one paper that said something about you know, in six months, you lose like half of all your IBUs. In a beer, or maybe it was three months, something like what, that. What after uh, fermentation? Um, just after after the beer is complete and packaged. So you you package it, you do, you take a BU, and then you're and at then, like whatever sixty, and right. then it'll be thirty and down a half, right. half month later. Right, so. x but, number of months later. But if you're later. depending on on hop, they have a curve character on, from your dry hop, right. to give you a perception of bitterness. That can actually drop off quicker if right. you have oxygen problem. That, have, that happens mm-hmm. very quick. Yeah, if there's any type of exposure. And so, like that. It, you know, if, uh, depending on your process, if you have oxygen ingress somewhere, for either mm-hmm. from racking or from how you keg your beer, you might have a it drop or drop and faster. I, I think it depends a lot on uh, the, the hop choice that you make because I I brewed a couple of American barley wines, and then five six years later. The hop character was just as intense as the day they were brewed. I was like, I couldn't, I, I'm not sure exactly why that was. 
I don't to this day understand it, but uh, I swear I, I give it to people and they're just like, wow, you know, you need to let this thing settle out for a little while. Intensely hoppy. Hmm. Years later. Bitterness wow. and flavor both? Yep. Interesting. Well, the bitterness, you, you could, if you have higher carbo- I mean, the bitter probably levels. The bitter, bittering probably dropped a little, a little bit. bit. Well, again, but what what but the of, hop character, bold. What higher carbohydrate levels. The beer? What kind of beer was it? IPA? Or? Barley wine. Barley American wine. barley wine. Bottle, mm. bottle conditioned? Uh, no. Everything was counter-pressure filled back then. The Mitch Steele has talked about the uh, higher carbohydrate level beer being able to hold bitterness in particular hmm. better, or uh, being able to hold more IBU and mm-hmm. lower carbohydrate level beer. Mm-hmm. So you figure a high carbohydrate level beer like American Barley Wine, you could potentially pack more IBU in, and it would maybe stay. But I've, 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 I've it's hard to get it in there because I've made the other is, right exactly yeah. other um, highly hot beers, and that hop character dropped off much quicker. And again, stable for you know five six years. Kept cold, wow. I'm sure. Really? Yeah. Bottles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And our last yeah, question really is from Hinning. He wants to know if Nate uh, is doing a quick dry hop. Is he doing it cold or at fermentation temperature? Ferment temp, uh, 65 to 68. You could maybe go as low as 63, but uh, not at... I don't like dry hopping at um, cold crash temp. You get weird results. doesn't really work. Definitely warmer. Ferment temp. That's it. All right. Cool. Another fine show. Thank you, everybody. If uh, you're listening live, stay tuned. We're going to uh, continue on with uh, more interesting stuff from uh, uh, Triple Rock and Beachwood. Actually, uh, Roger and Julian have uh, some secrets to share with us about uh, some project they're working on. So uh, if you're listening live, stay tuned. More good stuff coming up. And if you have a chance, uh, check out the Brewing Network store, thebrewingnetwork.com slash store. All sorts of good good things in there. I see uh, Tasty styles. wearing some stuff. Huh? We got some new styles in there. Shirts, hats, glassware, books, right. uh, dildos, all that, dildos, condoms, whatever, whatever you need. Right. They got it all, and everything you buy goes to the bottom line. Of the Brewing Network it helps keep this programming alive. So check it out. Uh, also uh, check out uh, our fine sponsors, NorthernBrewer.com. Uh, good people, good good products. Until then, Bruce Strong and Alfred. <laughs>